Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you, no matter where you are on your journey towards Christ. If you have questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitmiles.com. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. Take your Bibles and open them up, turn them on, join me in locating the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. That's where we're going to start our reading this morning. Glad that you're here. My name's Dan. I'm one of the pastors here. This morning, we're just going to go a little practical on, on our, our text. I mean, I, if, if you've been around for long, you know that uh, just talking about things uh, is you know, it's interesting and all, but um, we, we try to put the cookies on the bottom shelf where people can get a hold of them. And today, Father's Day, we want to just talk about a couple of practical things. We're talking about wisdom. The title of the message is Uncommon Sense. We're going to talk about wisdom from, from Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a part of a larger body of wisdom literature that includes Job, Psalms, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. But specifically, the book of Proverbs is unique in that it, it's a collection of practical life wisdom Uh, given mostly in some short, memorable um, statements. So you're reading through a proverb. By the way, one of the things I like about Proverbs, wisdom literature, we're talking about growing in wisdom. Um, Scripture, we'll talk about that later. You know, God says, if if, Scripture says, if you want wisdom, ask ask God for wisdom, He'll give you wisdom. But the thing I like about Proverbs is you can can read one a day, and you'll have one to read every day. Uh, every day of the month, and then you can start back over. So whatever else you're reading for Scripture, if you would read one proverb a day, you're, you're adding wisdom literature, the things that, um, in, in short statements, and sometimes it's like, you know, Proverbs like drinking from a fire hydrant. It's like, boom, here's something that talks about that, and then this. It just, it's, it splatters these, these statements of wisdom um, and if you read those and, and focus on those, you can do one of those um, a day for a month and then start over. Someone has described Proverbs like this. They're wonderfully successful at being what they are. That is Proverbs. They're not failed prophecies. So, for example, one of the things you, you read about in Scripture where it says, um, raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. But that's not an absolute promise. And say, so, well, listen, in, in our, uh, you know, I can think of, of a family who, who raised a, a child just like they raised all the rest of them, and that child's not walking with Christ. It's not, a, it's not an absolute equation guarantee how it's going to happen. It's a general principle. It's a general rule. It's, it's wise to raise up your child in the way you should go. And, and generally speaking, uh, when they grow old, they don't depart. But it's not a failed prophecy. It's it's not that. Um, it's not a systematic theology. You, a, a systematic theology, a theology that um, is, is full-orbed, it's, it's, it's complete, is something that um, the, the book of Proverbs adds to that, but the intention is not to, to be a theological, theological treatise. Like maybe um, some of the work in the New Testament where Paul is just laying out doctrine where, you, where you're laying out a systematic theology, things are a little bit different. But Proverbs, um, they, they are written by most, many of them by Solomon, who, nearly, who lived nearly 3,000 years ago. He began his reign as king of Israel for 
as a young, from a young age, and he reigned for 40 years. And he was asked, um, he asked God for wisdom. So God said, listen, you're king. What is it you want me to do? Solomon asked for wisdom. God says, yeah, I'll give you that plus a whole lot more. And one of the things that he got a whole lot more of, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 31 says, that he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. That is a lot of hair dryers, right? He had a woman problem. He had way too many wives and such. He, 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 married, see, he married the daughters of foreign kings who served foreign gods. And, and, and God had given an edict. He said, listen, you, you know, you're not supposed to take wives. He told the Israelites, don't take wives from foreign nations who worship foreign, foreign gods. But Solomon was thinking, well, if I, if I marry this king's daughter, there's a connection there. And so there's a political connection. So he was marrying, you know, daughters of, of kings. These women had royal birth. He married them and then added 300 concubines on top of it, trying to keep peace with the nations. But his wives returned to their idol worship, and, and that caused him problems. In fact, um, it the end of his life, uh, there was, he, he didn't fully serve God like his father David did. Now, by the way, just let me stop long enough when it comes to this whole wives thing to tell you how this goes. So, you, you know, in this whole married thing, when you're a son, you become a son-in-law. When you're a father, you become a father-in-law. If you're a daughter, you become a daughter-in-law. If, you become, if you're a mother, you become a mother-in-law. But when you're the wife, you are the law. Right? And that's what got him into trouble. That's what got him into trouble. By the way, if you men were paying attention, I just gave you the first little bit of wisdom. You should tuck away right there. Right? We're talking about uncommon sense. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned, turned their, his heart after other gods. And in fact, later in life, he, from his perspective, he said, wealth, women, the world, it's all vanity. In fact, he said, Anything apart from building and maintaining the precious relationship with our Heavenly Father was vanity. So even though he was the wisest man around, he needed some common sense. And I found that common sense is not that common. It's not that common. People make all kinds of decisions that don't make sense. You're familiar with um, YOLO? Uh, YOLO means you only live once. And usually after somebody says, hey, you only live once, the thing they do next usually is dumb. Right? Oh, you only live once, so I'm going to do this. Woo! And, um, well, people make poor decisions. Let me just talk about some reasons that people make poor decisions. They're based on unhealthy reasons. People make poor decisions because, sometimes because of fear. Fear. I, I don't want to do uh, they don't want to do what they, they know they need to do because of weakness, might be doubt, or they're, they're just simply afraid of, of what could happen. Fear is a powerful motivator, but it also is a powerful inhibitor. Reasons people make poor decisions is fear. Sometimes it's because of uh, childishness. Sometimes it's because of foolishness. The difference there is childishness uh, a person, you know, a child makes a poor decision and actions based on a lack of knowledge or understanding because of no prior training. Foolishness 
is, is a poor decision and action based on a lack of good sense or judgment in spite of training. So let, let me explain the difference between childishness and foolishness. If Johnny knocks the bottle, you know, his, his, his cup off of his tray uh, when he's eating, he's a little boy, uh, there's no punishment. You look at Johnny and you say, it's okay, Johnny, it was an accident. It, that, was, that was childishness, right? You, you know, he, hands are kind of flopping around, doesn't know what's going on, and, it, and so there, it's spilled. But if Johnny has been taught not to, to throw his bottle, and in anger he rears back and he hurls that bottle at a bowl of spaghetti sauce, I mean, we're talking big trouble. You know, he, he, he takes that bottle, he hurls it across the table, it lands in the spaghetti sauce, it splays all over Grandma. Grandma's glasses fly off, they hit the floor, they get smashed. Uh, Grandpa is so startled, you know, it, it upsets him, he loses his teeth in the watermelon. And, you know, hey diddle diddle, the cat and the fiddle and the cow jumped over the moon. Um, I mean, the moon's going to come back, but those grandparents are going to be pretty upset, right? You look at Johnny, you say, if that happens, you say, Johnny, why do you got to be like that, Right? That's, that's foolishness. You, you know that's not what you're supposed to do. Inappropriate punishment is, is meted out. And because it's Father's Day, let me just point out another distinction there between the, re, the response of mothers and fathers in that, in that, when that happens. Um, mothers go into cleanup mode, and dads go into contract negotiations. Here's what I mean. It's like, dude, did you see that arm? Did he throw that with the right or the left? Le He's ambidextrous. That was a moving target. They were passing the spaghetti. He hit that. He, get, he leaves the room. He goes and calls a friend. He says, listen, you know, when does T-ball start? How soon can I get this kid in rocket football? This guy's got an arm. He's a, it's a cannon. You know, what D1 school should I start looking for, right? I'm thinking NFL, you know, Major League Baseball. Another little difference between moms and dads there. Let me just tell you, that's foolishness too, dads. Don't do that. It won't end well. That's your second little bit of wisdom that I've given to you this morning that's just free. Um, childishness, foolishness, it's one of the reasons people make bad decisions. Why do, why do teenagers often make bad decisions? There, you see, the area of the brain that regulates behavior and controls decisions is not fully developed in people until people reach early adulthood. And because of that, Teens tend to respond impulsively without considering the consequences of their choices. Not their fault. They've never been an adult. But that's why we don't, you know, we, we have to make sure that somebody in the house is adulting, right? By the way, that is why I also believe that society should resist allowing people under a certain age to make decisions that are potentially life-altering. And for that matter, society shouldn't allow adults to consent for use to make life-altering decisions until a certain age. We already do that in society. You can't buy smokes and beer until you're a certain age, right? We say that's how that goes, um, and for good reasons. You can't get a driver's license until you're a certain age. There are certain things in society that I think... Um, we do because of reasons people make poor decisions. Sometimes it's childishness, sometimes it's foolishness. Here's another reason, pride. When people are thinking or caring about themselves and nobody else, they won't admit um, there's, there's anything else in play except themselves. Selfishness, 
They do what, you know, only what is in, in their mind to do. Only their perspective in mind. Laziness is another reason people make poor decisions. Uh, they don't want to do the hard work of learning and understanding. Don't want to do the hard work of doing the right thing. Maybe just not paying attention. Laziness. Uh, biases. Another reason people make poor decisions. Uh, um, it's, it, what it is here is just some systematic cognitive errors that people, people make. Uh, generalizations, racism, prejudices, confirmation bias. Those are things. Confirmation bias is a type of cognitive bias in which people f- uh, favor information that confirms their existing beliefs. Here's what I believe, and so uh, I, I'm not going to consider anything else. Uh, leads people to ignore data that may, might contradict their current thinking. Uh, past experience is another reason people make poor decisions. Negative examples, poor role models. Again, lack of cognitive resources. Multitasking. Sometimes fatigue. Trying to juggle too much at once has a cost to it. Alcohol, other drugs. Drugs can alter our ability to make wise decisions. And the reason people make poor decisions is just life issues, stress, decision fatigue. It could take a toll on a person. Causes randomness or indiscretion or um, passing on decisions to others when you need to make that call yourself. But instead, what, what Solomon is trying to share with us in this, in this first proverb is that we need wisdom. We need common sense to be successful in life and to live a life of obedience to God. So here's what he says. Proverbs chapter 1, notice verse 1. is a proverb of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledgeable, and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the Oxford Dictionary defines wisdom like this. It's the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. It's the quality of being wise. It's the soundness of an action or a decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. So there's several words in this text, in these first seven verses of Proverbs 1. There's several words there that I I want to point out to you. I want you to notice. I want you to, to highlight them. It's, it's words like instruction. Well, wisdom, of course, is, is, is right quick for gaining wisdom. Notice the word instruction. Uh, one of the versions translate that word discipline. Uh, the word understanding. We're talking about wisdom and knowledge. Insights, prudent, knowledge, discretion, discerning guidance. Those are words that, that help us take what we know and be able to apply them in, a, in an effective way. And there's no doubt, folks, that we're living in an information age, but we certainly aren't living in a, in a day when it, it appears that wisdom or that sense is all that common. <laughs> there, there are many wizards of, you know, with a computer, but they're amateurs when it comes to living a life characterized by 
wisdom. So the difference between wisdom and knowledge, let me just stop there for a difference. You can have, you can have knowledge, excuse me, <clears throat> you can have knowledge without wisdom. <clears throat> knowledge is the connection of, or the collection of facts. Um, it, it's, it's stuff that we know. It's, it's knowledge. It's what we know. Wisdom is the right use of what we know. So, for example, knowledge can tell you that that we have a financial system. It's going to take wisdom to balance your budget, right? So people who seek wisdom come at it with minds ready to engage in truth and seek knowledge. They, but, but notice those other words. There's discipline, there's understanding, there's insight, prudence, discretion, discernment, guidance, all in their end goal. You can ask God for more wisdom. He says he'll give it to you generously, by the way. Wisdom can grow. and That, that should be encouraging to everyone. There's, there's no one here that doesn't have the, the, the capability of, of growing in wisdom. Solomon is saying that wisdom of the Bible is crucial for success in life. Ignorance is not bliss. Solomon, he identifies this in our passage today. I want you to see this. In verse 4, he talks about the gullibility of the simple. He said, you want to avoid being gullible? I think one of the things that just drives me nuts is if... Um, you know, if I take the bait for something, you know, that phone call that you get, or, um, you know, we, we get them on our, um, our fax machine. We still have one of those in the office, um, a fax machine. And stuff comes through, and there's somebody in India that, India that keeps wanting to send me like $3 billion, you know. And if I would just fill out this paperwork, give me my bank numbers, he, he'll put that money right in my bank, right? Nobody wants to be gullible. He says, when we need wisdom... He says, look, the gullibility of the simple in verse 4. He also talks about the impetuousness of the young. <clears throat> it's, it's, you know, you appreciate the youthful vigor and the energy, but with that is a, is a maturing that brings with knowledge the application of that in wisdom. Look at verse 5, the inadequacy of those who think they're wise. People think they know it all. Hey, I know everything. They got... You know, there's people, you know, that have the answer to everything. They just ask them, they'll tell you. But that's the difference between that and a person who's wise. Um, how, how, did, how do we used to say this and teach this in our home? There, there are certain things that God gave you for your mind that were not intended for my ears. That's how we would say it sometimes. You, you need to always tell the truth. But you don't always need to be telling the truth. You know? You understand what I'm saying? There's times we're saying, listen, you always tell the truth. But sometimes you might have a truth that would be better for you and for me and everyone else if you had just kept it to yourself. Right? That's wisdom. That's wisdom. And understanding how, 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 how to... To live that way. Notice, so the inconsistency of understanding in verses 5 and 6. There's, there's inconsistency there. Uh, we, we need guidance. We need to learn. Uh, it, it's not that at some point you just arrive and, you, you know, this is it. I, this is good. I'm going to have all the wisdom I need. No, you continue to, to add to it. Um, and then the abduracy of a fool. See that in verse 7? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. They said, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need that. I don't want that. I don't care what anybody else says. You better. Right? 
So how are we going to make some better decisions? I think we're, we're going to find this in, this in this text. Some of the factors that lead to bad decision-making are difficult to eliminate, but there are also steps that you can take to help make better choices. Here's some strategies that can be your help, just practical stuff. Look at verses 2 and 3. How to make better decisions? First of all, you have to prioritize important decisions. If you're going to make good decisions, just practical, cookies on the bottom shelf here today, prioritize important decisions. I find it in verse 2 and 3. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. You, you, you can com, you know, com, combat fatigue, decision fatigue, and endure, uh, ensure that you have the necessary cognitive resources to make the best choices. And, and you, sometimes you have to prioritize those decisions. In verse 4, we have to eliminate distractions. Forgiving prudence to those that are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. There's some, you have to use prudence. There's, uh, there's, there's discretion that you have to use. You eliminate distractions. Notice in verse 5, the first part of verse 5, you have to consider all the options. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. You, you, you consider the, the options. It, it might save time sometimes to focus on the most obvious choice. You weigh all the options. It might help you make a better decision, though. There's times in the split moments you've got you to make the call on the run. But if you could consider more options, wisdom, take a break, come back later. It's easy to get overwhelmed, especially when you make a complex or important decision. Consider all the options. The last part of verse 5 and on to verse 6, you ask for some outside input. Um, let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and, and parables and sayings and riddles of the wise. So th there's a point where you're, you're considering other, other options. Consider all those options. Um, asking for outside input. Different people give you a different perspective on the situation. And then finally, verse 4, or verse 7, it's the, it's the idea of the fear of the Lord is the, is the beginning of knowledge. The fools despise wisdom and instruction. So notice the foundation for wisdom and knowledge. Solomon says it's the fear of the Lord. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But here in, in, in Proverbs, verse 7, it's, and it's repeated again just like that in Psalm 111, verse 10. It, it simply says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, is the beginning of wisdom. So the book of Proverbs focuses on these, this practical life. And here's, but yet here's a theological principle. True knowledge and wisdom flow from the fear of the Lord. You're wise if, if you understand um, who God is. And, and fear in this sense is, is, is awe, it's reverence. It's this, this created being deserves um, to, to be given respect and awe as the creator the redeemed the the you know you you respect the redeemer it's what the saved owes to the one to the savior the one who saved him the fear the fear of the lord it's it's the foundation it's the capacity of the mind that allows us to understand life from god's perspective it's understanding that comes from having the knowledge of the true nature of god it's it's wisdom is gained by listening to what Jesus says and then doing it. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 25 says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. There are people that think that they're pulling one over on God. 
that somehow they can outsmart him, they can outwit him, and they can outmanipulate him. Can't do it, folks. And to understand that, that the fear of God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Our foundation of wisdom commences in the fear of the Lord. And then it continues asking God for more wisdom. And the demonstration of wisdom culminates in the soundness of an action or a decision. So, I want, I want to take just, you know, if you would jump forward to Proverbs chapters, or Proverbs 6. I want to jump forward and talk about some of the things that we've, that we've just talked about, how to make better decisions. And I want to get, in, in just these last couple of minutes, I want to give you a, a quick application of what we learned. Three different areas in Proverbs 6, in those first 19 verses, instructs us how to live wisely in, a, in, in three different ways. And, and it seems, in some ways they're kind of unrelated, but it, it, they all have to do with life and issues that we deal with in life. And, and I just want Solomon's words here to, to challenge you. And if the Holy Spirit reveals something that you need to change, then take it seriously, okay? So you're, we're gaining wisdom. Solomon says, notice in the first five verses, make sure you get wisdom when you're dealing with money. In those first five verses. Use wisdom. So we've been talking about wisdom and, and, work, and, and, and all that. So get wisdom working in, in the area of money. So he says, use wisdom when you're putting up security for someone else. Be careful when co-signing a loan. In those first five verses, you can see that. It's, if it's, and if it's too good to be true, it's not true. So be careful what, what you sign your name to. Solomon says, save yourself the grief. Don't be foolish. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't help other people. But folks, if you can't afford to lose it all, don't, don't do it. Don't sign, co-sign. Look, look at the urgency he tells you to avoid it with. And he says, and if you're in it, here's how you try to get out of it. So there's just this whole idea of wisdom and understanding with, with, with money, working with money. He says, be careful. Use wisdom when you're dealing with money. Now notice he says, use wisdom when it has to do with your mission. That's verses 6 through 11. Or your work. Use wisdom in terms of, of, of your work ethic. He said, laziness is going to ruin you. Don't be lazy. Be wise about your work. And then he talks about the ants. Even the ants are, you know, are, are, are diligent. They work hard. They, they, uh, queen ants tend, tend to sleep. Actually, looked at this up and reviewed this, studied this a little bit. Um, uh, got stuck on a rabbit trail, on an ant trail, and I, and I was studying this. Queen ants sleep from, you know, fire ants sleep from eight to nine hours a day. The, the worker ants, they do not sleep that long. They, they take power naps many throughout the day, right? And so he's looking at that. He's saying, listen, if you, and if you look at a, a pile of ants, you know, work, they're just running, they're going, they're busy, they're busy. And he says, laziness is going to hurt you. Laziness goes against God's design. Laziness leads to poverty and perversion. By the way, why does laziness go against God's, God's design? Because in the beginning, God created. He worked, you know, six days, and then he rested. But there was this whole this work ethic. By the way, work is not a, a bad four-letter word. It's, it's a way that God was creative. He created the heavens and the earth. It's a way for you to create. God, God works through your work. And he goes, laziness is stealing. The biggest thieves are lazy people who consume what others produce. A lazy person won't work, and they take from others. 
How's that any different than a thief? Laziness is unloving. You're making someone else carry your weight. Now, folks, I'm not talking about the disabled or the retired or the the times in our life where um, we're unable to work. That's not at all what we're talking about here. Solomon's talking about able-bodied people who were making excuses, which this is a piece of wisdom. He said, well, listen, it's just, you know, okay, wisdom, I get it, work. Folks, it's killing our society. You know that, right? There's too many able-bodied people who are refusing to work. I mean, I'm going to stay on track. Every Christian, Scripture, there's no song we say, work, how did it go? Work for the night is coming. And, and that work, it for sure, includes making disciples. Don't overdo leisure. Now, if you're a workaholic, Make the adjustment the other way. Be wise about your mission. You need to get wisdom working with your money. You need to get wisdom working with your mission, but you also need to get um, wisdom working when it comes to issues of morality. Look at verses 12 through 19. Here's what he says. Avoid corrupt company. Be wise. Now, society is going to tell you, follow your heart. Solomon says, make sure you use your head too. Seek wisdom from God. You see, our hearts are pathologically selfish. Watch your heart. Beware, you may fall into the the consequences of your own vices. Solomon said this. Your father probably said this to you. Bad company corrupts good character. Be careful. So there, there's wisdom in money, in mission, in morality. And then look at those verses 16 and following at the things that the Lord hates. Six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. If you're wise, watch this. Haughty eyes. You know what that is? Pride. Pride. If you're wise you'll understand what the Lord thinks about lying tongues. Hands that shed innocent blood. You know what? That doesn't just mean pull the trigger, you know, pow, pow, make them dead. But you can shed innocent blood with words. You can crucify people with words. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies. You'd be wise to avoid that. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So he says there's some wisdom in your morality. Get wisdom working. And those are, just, those are three areas. And you go through Proverbs place after place after place diff- talking about different aspects of our life. Wisdom. Wisdom. Uncommon sense to live a successful life. I invite the team to come. They're going to lead us in our last song. Dads, are you passing on the wisdom of God to your family? People, are we living our lives marked with wisdom, knowledge, 
applied in appropriate ways, wisdom. It goes back to a verse that we've talked about numerous times, that the world would see your good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. Encourage you to walk in wisdom. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, we've opened your word and we've seen from Solomon some teaching on wisdom. First, we acknowledge the basis of that is you. So, Lord, not that we're adding you to our life, but, Lord, we commit ourselves to follow you fully. And that's the basis of any wisdom that we might have that is good and is wise. It's the only way our foundation is in you. And then, Lord, would you add to our wisdom. Lord, if there's an area of our life that you're pointing out, even right now, we're taking your word, we're looking into your word, and then we mirror it back to ourselves. So, Lord, is there an area of our lives where we need your wisdom? We seek it today. You've said you'd give graciously, generously to those who ask, so we ask for wisdom. Help us to live our lives so in tune with who you are that the wisdom of the world would look like nonsense compared to the truth and the understanding that we're on. So give us your grace in that. And Lord, you are great. How, how great is our God? Worthy of all our time and attention, worthy of our seeking after you, asking you to light our path, show us the way. So, Lord, we're reaching to you today for wisdom and understanding on how to live. You're great, God. We love you. We serve you. Would it be, God, that you would grant us wisdom and an uncommon sense to live for you? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world.